Hello and welcome to How to Start Up, a podcast for anyone starting a company in 2020. This is a collection of conversations with people who have all successfully started, run and even sold their own companies, sharing not only professional but personal experiences on what we should be doing now, next or never. In this episode, I speak to Geoffrey Kent, who not only founded world-renowned luxury tour operator Abercrombie Kent, but is also credited for creating experiential travel as a concept. I've long admired ANK for being leaders in sustainability across environmental, economic and social responsibilities. Geoffrey shares his stories and experiences as an entrepreneur of nearly 60 years experience, including a foray into space travel and why delivering a business, service or product that no one else does is paramount for success as an entrepreneur. Jeffrey, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it because I know you're a busy man. Pleasure. How are you? Very good, thank you. Good. So what's it like starting a new business in at the height of the pandemic? That's interesting. <laughs> yes, I feel very fortunate that I was at the beginning of the pandemic, so I feel like I got a head start. <laughs> I definitely had a moment that day when I found out I'd been made redundant. I'm not going to be the only one, but I'm one of the first ones. (laughs) I'm delighted to be speaking to you for How to Start Up about your incredible journey with Abercrombie & Kent, which you founded with your parents, I believe, John and Valerie in 1962, and then picking out the second name Abercrombie from the phone book. It would be great if you could introduce the listeners to what A&K offer for clients. Okay, I'm Geoffrey Kent. And uh, lovely to be talking with you, Julian. It seems a long time ago, but yes, I started Abercrombie and Kent with my mother and father, Colonel John Kent and Valerie. Actually, we didn't even take the number from the phone. We were trying to get a name that would put us top of the phone book. So like yellow pages. And so, you know, we came up with Aardvark first, but AA, not very good for a logo. So finally, we came up with the word Abercrombie and Kent. And that would be our wealthy, rich partner. Uh, so that's our also, And even to this day, I get clients who write into us saying, oh, and by the way, we're great friends of the Abercrombie. That was good. (laughs) (laughs) And A and then AB, it works very well. Yeah, it was like today would be like top of a Google search, you know, but then it was the yellow pages were everything. And, you know, it's been very good for us. And you started with the philosophy of shoot with a camera and not with a gun. What gave you the idea for this and how and the company as a whole? Well, you know, I'm, I'm a Kenyan, Zambian-born, but it's only there a week, but Kenyan-born, bred, schooled, educated, everything. And all of us there, you know, like maybe if you're in New York or, or London, you want to grow up and be a dentist or a lawyer or something like that. But everyone in Kenya, we want to be white hunters. But the problem was everybody else had been doing that forever. And I'm sort of there starting a new company with my mum and dad. said to myself one day having a coffee, why does anyone take a camera? What's up? <laughs> I mean, more people will take pictures than shoot. And they went, no, 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 don't be so stupid. They will come. I said, that can't be true. And so I started uh, this idea of taking photographic safaris and came up with a slogan, shoot with a camera, not with a gun, and went with that slogan to the United States and uh, started to promote it. And you are credited with inventing experiential travel as a concept. How do you keep your startup spirit going, given that you're about to celebrate 60 years of Abercrombie and Kent? Oh, wow. I mean, I've, I've just been living on the edge all my life. It's a miracle that I'm sitting here having a cup of tea with you. Actually, you know, <laughs> first of all, um, I rode a motorbike from Nairobi to Cape Town. That didn't quite kill me, nearly. The first person in the world to do it. My father was so angry, he sent me off to the Royal Military Academy, Santos. Then I fought in Aden. Then I went to 
Omar, then to be an ADC to the Major General in Malta, and came back. Then I became a, a world champion polo player, won the US Open twice, captain Prince Charles's team. And so that, that was like five days a week of near death. And so, you know, I've just been <laughs> on the edge all my life and now trying to take things a little bit slowly, but not really. Not really. No, I, I love excitement. I love, I love being you know, really on the edge. And I always have this great slogan, when was the last time you did something for the first time? So year 2000, I went to the North Pole. And two years ago, I went to the actual South Pole itself. So I'm always pushing myself, as I said, doing it my way, which means helicopter, <laughs> jet plane. <laughs> so I don't push myself physically so much anymore. But, you know, I work out two hours a day for four to five days a week. So very, very fit. So you know what makes you tick, and that's obviously been the passion within your company throughout. Oh, yeah. I was in the States one day. I was having lunch with somebody. I said to him, so what's the most exciting thing you do in a day? I just spent two hours with him. Oh, he said, or maybe I run an amber light on the way to work. I said, that's it? (laughs) He said, yeah, that's when I got my eureka moment. I am going to create really dangerous travel, do it all myself, take the extreme danger out of it, still pretty hairy, couple it with great guides, and that is how I'll build Abercrombie Camp. So that was the basis of experiential travel. Nobody did it in those days at all. And from a company perspective, what was the first thing you did when you founded your company? Well, first of all, I had to look for an office, right? So we found an office, really laid back office in an old, old building in the back streets of Nairobi. Um, up to oh, awful old stairs. We were on the fourth floor and the and the lift didn't work. I remember. <laughs> and then the next day, I made out some really fancy business cards with a great name, Abercrombie and And then I thought, well, how do I get clients? And that was a that was a whole other issue. Then of course I had a Land Rover and that was it. Given that you were based out of Nairobi to start with, what did a typical day look like for you when you were starting? Because obviously it'd be very different today, I'm assuming. Yeah, well, I mean those days all we had was a little office. I, and I lived in the guest house. My parents had a guest house in a place called Rosslyn. We'd work up about quarter to six, and we had breakfast about half past six. Left at about seven for work. We would go all the way through till seven at night, and then we'd drive back. Long days. And often we had business dinners too. So it was probably 15-hour days, and I've always tried to set myself like a 15-hour day. Usually with these days, you have breakfast meetings, and then you have dinner meetings. So I do both. What was the best piece of advice that you were given when you first started? Is there something that sort of has held true throughout your nearly 60 years in business? I used to get all the advice from my clients, right? I was a guide and I was taking all the richest people in the world. I had David Rockefeller and uh, I'd take his advice. I'd rush back to my tent. So I used to listen in around the campfire. I've always had a yellow pad with me. I actually have one in front of me now. <laughs> yeah, and I take notes. I didn't know what the notes meant, but I took them away and started reading. But all I knew was I loved what I did. I had to spend at least 15 hours a day. I could never give up. The military taught me that. Never give up. We brought up on time spent in reconnaissance is seldom wasted. Everybody told me, come up with something new. Get something today, you'd say, that you can't Google. Something that nobody else has. And then give it all the attention you have and make sure all your clients know that you're there, personal attention. You're there at the end of a phone to answer them at any time. And, you know, that's all it takes, really. Just have a great idea you believe in and make it happen. It only happens, by the way, through dedication and hard work and never giving up. Abercrombie is just globally renowned, world-leading, hugely successful. And is there one thing in particular? Now, I'm very, very competitive as a person, a world champion polo player, and all I want to do is be the best. I'm the 
best polo team in the military. Always be the best. Always be number one. Set your target number one. Never, ever accept number two. Number two is failing. Number two means you're at the back of the field. Number one gets all the crowd. Number one gets all the attention. So you've always got to be number one. That's what I drill into my people all day long, even now. And what was the most surprising thing you learned about yourself when you became your own boss? I didn't know I'd, I'd work in such a, an amazingly dedicated way. It was because I loved it. It was my passion, too. I did the best thing that anybody should want to do. I turned my lifestyle into a business. Most people have a business, which they then sell and then have a lifestyle. I did the other way around. My lifestyle still now is my business. That's really what's driven me. So it never really feels like work either. One of the things I tell myself every day is, okay, let's get going today. You've inherited this company and you're just starting now. Let's give it all you've got. And that makes you all driven again. And I always plan everything on three-year basis. And why is that? If you're going to set up a company, first year, you're getting going, getting it up, getting it running. Second year, you lose quite a bit of money. Third year, you break even. And so it's a three years. Then it makes money. It should make money forever. Three years is where you've got to take some big decisions. If you're still losing money, you have a problem. Abercrombie & Kent are committed to integrating sustainable practices into what I read, a triple bottom line of environmental, economic and social responsibility. And that's through providing jobs, educational opportunities to the partner communities. When did you start bringing sustainable and ethical values to the business? And how important do you think it is? I grew up as an African, you know, I mean, I'm a white African. I spoke Swahili before I speak, spoke English. So, you know, I grew up in a farm and there are only 300 Europeans in the whole farm area. I always, you know, I grew up with Africans and I always felt how they think. And I always, whenever I'm doing business today, I put myself in the other people's shoes. What do they want to hear from this meeting? Not what I want. I know what I want. But how can I convince them what they want? So you should try and think what they want. And, you know, all I knew with, with the tribes, they, they wanted to get something out of the wildlife. You know, it's all very well for Europeans to come and look at their wildlife. Well, the wildlife lions, leopards kill their stock, right? And elephants trample their crops. So what could they get out of it? Obviously, it's cash. Cash is the biggest motivator for everybody. So why did I set it up that they would get money for everybody visiting our camps where they had given me an exclusivity? I started Friends of Conservation in 1982. And today, the Prince of Wales is still the uh, patron of the foundation, has been for many, many years, since 1987, thereabouts. And he just, he renews it every five years. He knows more about conservation wildlife than anybody else. And I learned all my conservation from him. And it's been really successful. If you look at what I did with the gorillas in Uganda with uh, President Museveni, I had the idea, and I went to see him before he was president, and said there's a place of Wendy with a lot of gorillas. They haven't been habituated. Uh, so if you make it a national park, I'll pay for the habituation. And if you'll give me a gorilla camp there, all of which he did, and we did together. And I read the population is up 33%. Yeah. And that means that one idea like that has saved half the world's mountain gorillas, which isn't a bad idea. And that's purely because your guests have contributed more than $1.18 million worth into that area, I believe. Indeed. In terms of the community hospital, and, and that's just one example as well. When I first went to Windy, you went up a oh, terrible old track, got stuck all the time, and winched out and got there. And there was nothing there. And then I learned a lot of local people were sick, so I got a fig tree and I said I'd bring the doctor to the fig tree once a week which I did and that's how the Windy Hospital started 
And, you know, we have 60,000 outpatients, I think, at that point. Nurses ward, training facilities. We also built schools in Zambia, Makatindi, Maasai Mara. Now, it's been a huge success. We have Abercrombie Kent Philanthropy, which has taken another step further, run by a wonderful guy called Keith Sproul. We're, we're very keen on what we've done, and I love doing it too. And I love, you know, I love to go there and see, and I tell everybody the story. Wow, this was a fig tree once. If you had your time again, and looking back, is there anything you would go back and not do again? I think I trusted too many people too much of the time. But that's all you can do when you start a business. You trust people. And I think that over the years, some of the trust has worked off phenomenally well. But the rest has, you've got to do a lot of due diligence. And so if I did something, I'm going to be much, much more ruthless on due diligence. But of course, I'm a big company now. So you can say that. But when you start, you have nothing. You're just really flying it on the seat of your pants. I read a really great expression once. I was traveling in New Zealand and I saw it written on a door in a pub, I think it was, somewhere in the South Island. And it said, experience is what you get after you've needed it. <laughs> and I stayed with ah, me. There you are. I mean, you know, experience is a great builder. And you've got to, I take notes all the time, tons and tons of notes. I'm so glad I've done that. Let me go look at them again. What is it you enjoy the most about being self-employed? Oh, just being self-employed. I think waking up whenever I want to wake up, um, doing what I want to do. And of course, there are huge setbacks. By the way, you're the last one in the room. There's nobody else to go to. And you're the one who has to deal with the banks. You're the one who has to handle a pandemic crisis like today. You're it. Obviously, I have a wonderful partner called Manfredi Levin. He and I work very, very closely running Abercrombie & Kent. Luckily, he's a great entrepreneur too. And we use our brains and initiative and everything else and experience to get out of these sort of problems. But being an entrepreneur is not easy, by the way. You take a lot, a lot of flack and a lot of very bad moments, you know, because it's you. You've got all these employees who, who rely on you. And the buck stops with you. And the buck stops with you, as they say, yeah. But I wouldn't change it for anything. <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> sure. And what is it you enjoy the least? I think you may have answered that. No, no, no. What I enjoy at least is actually what I should be enjoying the most, and that is digital, IT, all of that side of things. And it changes every day. Everyone laughs. I have my yellow pen. But I like the adventures. You know, all I know is, I'll tell you one thing. If you're going to start a business, which you are, you have to have something which nobody else has. And you have to sell it better than anybody else. And you have to be there to let everybody know you're there. And you've got to personify what you're trying to sell. So, you know, my job is building a brand. Abercrombie Kent's a great brand. I built it. How did I build it? I built it around myself, doing crazy things. Go to the South Pole, go to the North Pole, go and dive at Palau, take a take a helicopter to base camp Everest. I never stop. That gets in the news. And that's your passion as well. The fact you've coupled something you genuinely love, it, it might not feel like work most of the time, I hope. I had a very funny thing happen the other day. So I went to one of these great and the good parties in London about a year ago, two years ago. And uh, this gentleman came up to me. I mean, he was chairman of a huge company. I knew who he was. So I said to him, so how much longer are you going to be doing that for? Ah, oh, he said, Jeff, I'm getting a bit tired of this. I, you know, this is it. I said, so what are you going to do? Well, he said, I'm going to go hiking a lot. I, I ride horses. I want to ride horses a lot more. I'm going to play tennis. I want to go on some great adventures, so possible places. So he said to me, so what are you going to do? I said, oh, I've been doing that all my life. <laughs> Sitting there, what, what do you mean I didn't have to sit behind a desk for 60 years? You're, he said, you're Abercrombie County. I said, yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's all you've ever done. I said, yeah. As a final question, what has been the best moment starting your own business has given you? 
I mean, you have had so many. This is a very difficult question. I was debating I shouldn't ask, because <laughs> given you've travelled 160 countries, that's probably quite a tough one. I think one of the most extraordinary moments was when the whole space race started, when Branson started it and Elon Musk was there. Um, this is way back, I think 2004, right about then. And I said, we've got to be in that. And then I suddenly, going back to what I said earlier, that I have to try it myself. And I said, well, how can I do this? So I went down to Cape Town and I trained as a pilot and took the English Electric Lightning up. And that's a plane which goes twice the speed of sound and it goes to 40,000 feet in like one minute vertically. And I went up in that. We went to like 70,000 feet or whatever, upside down, this and that, and came down. And when we got up, my legs were hardly working. And I thought, wow, this is hairy stuff. I took on like a lot of 5Gs going up, you know, more. Uh, 40,000 feet. Oh, how am I, uh, you know, I'm fit. How old are people going to do this? And I, I waited for a day. Then I went for a run. Then I came back and I called. We had 20 people booked in ANK Speed, uh, working for us in ANK Space in, in Chicago. And uh, I called my chief engineer, right? And I said to him, are you going to have any accident? He said, 100%. I said, 100% what? He said, 100% you're going to have an accident. And I said, Really? So somebody's going to die? He said, for sure. And that's when I closed it down. So that was a mind, you know, that was a long time ago when everybody, you know, Elon Musk went off to have great fame. Richard Branson's still trying. It's difficult. So that was the right decision. And all businesses, final thing for you, are right decisions. You must every day make the right decision. And often that takes a day or two to think about. So write it on a piece of paper, put it, and by the way, never send off an angry email. Somebody enrages you, write it out and put it in the desk. Look at it the next morning and say, wow, that was a bit off. There's nothing better than a bit of breathing space from that, is there? Don't be too impetuous. I'm very impetuous. So, you know, write it down. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Jeffrey, for your time. I really appreciate it. And I feel like I've learned so much in such a short space of time. Good. Well, good luck. Yeah. It has been so interesting talking to Jeffrey about what he has learned over the years as an entrepreneur. His consistent aim to be number one in everything he, his team and his company do is impressive, especially when it comes to sustainable practices. If you'd like to get in touch with Jeffrey or find out where you can purchase his new book, Safari, you'll find his details in the show notes, along with the advice that he's so kindly shared. If you'd like to submit a question for a future guest, please head to the SpeakPipe link in the show notes. Thank you for listening to How to Start Up, hosted by me, Juliet Fallowfield, founder of PR consultancy for startups, Fallowfield and Mason. I hope these conversations offer you some confidence, encouragement and reassurance that you're on the right track. I would be delighted if you'd rate, review and share this podcast with anyone else who might be starting a company in 2020. Thank you.